You know what this episode is? This episode is one of those episodes where there are so many darn takeaways that I'd rather just have you listen to the episode, but let me give you a few of them. The most important hire any entrepreneur can make, and I guarantee you it's not the one that you think, and the second most important hire and why, um, how to empower your team to own outcomes to maximize your company results and every way to do it. Uh, Being perfect in business is a guaranteed path to failure. You need to protect your race car so you can win the race. The secrets of success from the CEO of a very large e-commerce company. Never let other people dictate how you spend your time. And probably one of the best hacks I've ever heard from the CEO of a company on how to connect with your best customers and make more of them. All of that plus more in this amazing episode. So now let's cue the intro. Welcome to the Mind of George Show. This is a free-for-all Friday episode where just about anything can happen. I've had business leaders come on and share insider industry secrets. I've had monks and hypnotherapists come on, talk about mindset, discipline, the subconscious, and even swearing at me, which I never thought I would hear from a monk. Plus, I've had hours of spilling my deepest thoughts, fears, ideas, and everything in between the earlobes in my mind of George. But you can find all the episodes at mindofgeorge.com, and you never know what can happen on a free-for-all Friday. But one thing that can be guaranteed is it will either be eye-opening groundbreaking, or at the very least, entertaining. So let's open our minds and get into the show. Two. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Mind of George Show on a free-for-all Friday. And I am excited uh, to have my guest today. I have known this guest for a while, and the secret to my success has been him helping me sleep. Him and his brother have been friends of mine for a long time. They've helped me sleep very, very well. They've educated me about sleep. I've worked with them. We've known each other. We've done lots together. We talk all the time. And I am honored to have him. And I am excited because the guest today has lived in many roles inside of businesses. He's been on the operational side. He's been on the CEO side. He's been in the weeds. And he's been a part of building something from nothing to a multi-seven-figure brand well, helping people sleep at night. And so I'm going to stop now because I'm just going to keep going and he'll gloat. But let's welcome to the show Tristan. So Tristan, thanks for being here, man. George, very happy to be here. Thank you so much for the kind words. I am so stoked. And I always love when I have people with better accents than me because it makes me sound more intelligent. (laughs) It's like through osmosis and through osmosis. So for those of you listening, um, it's Tristan. Tristan is uh, half of the duo, the brothers behind uh, Swanwick Sleep and James's brother, which we'll have on the show once I can pin him down and he he texts me back at some point. But we'll leave that. And James, if you're listening, I just called you out. So Tristan, I start every episode with one question because you've been in this game for a while. I don't even remember when you guys founded the company, but I feel like I've known you for a while and you've you've ridden some ebbs and flows inside of the business. And so when you look back at like your journey of entrepreneurship, whether in this business or outside of this business, what was what would you say was one of the biggest mistakes that you made and the lesson that you took away from it that you mitigate now moving forward? <laughs> Probably one, the first one that comes to mind is when we, uh, with our, our suppliers, we had a bit of a, uh, I suppose it was a communication issue. It was a translation issue. And we ended up ordering something like twice the amount of, of stock that we actually needed to. And <laughs> um, yeah, let's just say that there were some pretty awkward conversations with the supplier about you know, how we were going to make this work. So I'd say that probably one of the biggest mistakes I made was 
not paying attention to detail when it came to placing very large orders involving uh, big sums of money. I I'd say I'd say that's a, a pretty pretty good one. <laughs> to pay attention to <laughs> i have the opposite one because we have such a long lead time in high speed daddy for our bags we have to look at it because we run profit first in the company like mike mccallowitz profit first yeah. and we have yeah. to spread load inventory over three rotating lines of credit over a six month period before it's landed and so we're, yeah. we're like we know, like Craig, my business partner, knows to the T, and he can like tell you where shipments are in the water, what port they're at, where they're coming in. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. How, how did that one end up? Did they end up rectifying it? Did you have to buy it? Did they lease it back? Oh to you? yeah, we we worked out a deal. We worked out a deal where we could, you know, a payment plan, and then we eventually, you know, we eventually took the stock off their hands. So it was all good in the end. If anything, it probably helped cement the relationship because you know we were, we were in it for the long term um yeah. no we it was it was it was a really good learning experience and we're very similar to you you mentioned high speed daddy we high speed daddy we do have long lead times it can be something you know we have something like three to four month lead times because you know glasses are a very and particularly our glasses are very uh, labor intensive they're very, very um, handmade to a certain extent. So there's a lot of different processes that they have to go through. So we have those long lead times as well. And um, I would say that that probably leads me on to another, I don't know if I'd say mistake, but a lesson that I've learned is that to get really, really clear on your numbers and your financials as early as possible into the business as you can. Yeah. And you know, that's something I think I'm going to unpack with you because I'd say looking back at my career, even up until like months ago, the one resounding like thread that was always pulling stress or um, anxiety or causing issues was a lack of awareness of finances. And, yeah. and, and cause here's how my brain operates. Cause I live in that like marketing brain world. I'm like, we're going to take over the world. We're going to make change billions of lives and they're like yeah my wife's like but what's the number i'm like what number and she's like yeah but what and i'm like i always used rough estimates in my head mm. and then i realized that that got me into a lot of it and so i for everybody listening um actually i have <laughs> another beautiful person with an australian accent phil mcgillivray um is our, our quote-unquote cash flow coach and i absolutely love him to pieces because he puts real numbers to everything but mm. um yeah, I think especially knowing you like inside of the business, right, with a long lead time like that, four months, you have a product that's absolutely amazing, but it's also not like a consumable. People aren't buying one after another, after another, after another. They typically buy a couple pairs, but then you get it. You have to have your numbers dialed. You have yes, to have your numbers it, dialed. Exactly. I think all e-commerce businesses have to, uh, but certainly, yes, for ours and i mean i would just say for every business it's you really want to get your numbers clear as soon as possible and i know that a lot of entrepreneurs particularly visionary ceos they tend to just ignore the numbers yeah. seems a bit crazy but it's it's something that they do and i mean my advice is just get help as soon as possible get a mm -hmm. good bookkeeper so you know that the books are crystal clean and then see if you can find a good virtual CFO to come in and, and really actually analyze those numbers for you. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. And I would love your perspective on this because um, 
I look back now and it was funny because as I grew multiple companies, you know, six figures, seven figures, I was always like, okay, how do I hire a bigger team? How do I make more revenue? How do I? And then I never asked myself the question of like, how do I measure it? And how do I keep it? Right. And, mm-hmm. and I've learned that having a really, really good person. Um, and for me personally, I don't know how you are. James is probably more like me in this one. But I can't be in the numbers every day or it gives me anxiety, right? I want to be in the creation, but I love having the overview, right? Like I love yeah. the dashboard view of like, hey, nope, yeah. this is it. This is your budget. This is what's here. But if I have to get into it, I like cower up in a corner like a little baby with my thumb in my mouth. And I was like, no, no, no. And so I've learned now, like if I was to ever go back and start High Speed Daddy from the beginning again, you know, we've already run it profit first, but it took us a while to separate it to get an outside perspective. But that perspective has always been helpful for me where they're like, hey, yeah. this is what you're doing right. Like, oh, you might want to check this. You might want to project this. Oh, by the way, your inventories, you know, your numbers look like they're coming up. And that perspective has been really helpful for me. And so I go back and I'm like one of the first things I would do is either hire a really good CFO like that can even teach me and give me an hour of their time Mm. or like navigate or guide or I would hire like a fractional one like you say and like a really good bookkeeper and strategist and so yeah I I think that's really really awesome do you guys use a fractional CFO or do you guys have somebody in-house uh we have somebody in-house I I would say I mean he's he's a contractor and he he has other clients but I consider him to be part of the team and I would consider him to be in-house inverted commas because he's just so available to us and it's been I would say probably it's been one of the most transformative hires that I've made as a CEO and that is to have someone there who can actually do all of those things that we've just discussed who is will give me uh, fortnightly sort of like reports he'll give me the monthly reports I'm like you. I don't really love to see uh, spreadsheets full of numbers, but then he's able to present them in uh, a visual uh, way with dashboards and graphs and things like that. And myself as a visual thinker, that is so much more helpful to me than to see uh, spreadsheets, for example. So, and he's the type of person that uh, if he sees expenses creep up, he'll get onto, you know, onto Slack and he'll, he'll, He'll let us know anytime there's a potential new partnership uh, that we need to that we need to size up. If we want to look at you know what we can what commission we can give an affiliate to, just mm. when it comes to crunching numbers and data and, and analysis. Or he also does our forecasting as well, which helps us obviously with our ordering of inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just yeah, it's finding someone who knows what they're doing and you trust is a game changer. Yeah, I think I got it. It's like I have a, I, I have a lot of validation, but peace hearing this too, because I think like going back, I could pinpoint most, most of the challenges that I came across in business as having a lack of awareness of the financial status. Not that I was running out of money, but without knowing the numbers, it's like driving a car blindfolded because there's so many snowball effects that come down the road that could be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks that aren't realized yet, that also the inputs that come in give you a better idea of how to actually run or where to spend your time. And so, yeah, it's something like literally two weeks ago, we had an accident in our ad account, accident in our ad account, and we had a good number. So I was spending 
$500 a day just on YouTube ads, right? For our webinar, like wanting to teach people email. And I love teaching people email. And so we're like, God, these leads are coming in. They're amazing. Like I've never gotten leads this inexpensive before. (laughs) And like, I'm stoked. I am stoked. And then we get on the webinar and I got people from Croatia, Angola, Egypt. And I was like, oh no. (laughs) Yeah. And I did the webinar and they were all real people. The problem was, is they could never buy, would never buy. And I had to go look at it. And we, I didn't look at the whole picture of like, Hey, let's have this extreme budget. Like this is the top line budget for ad revenue. Right. And then we'll measure it against what happens on the webinar. I went to a day and I was like, just go, go, go. Cause they were coming in so cheap and my brain didn't register. Yeah. Like, wait, why are they cheap? We're not seeing this. And we missed a checkbox and it was a complete accident, but we didn't mm. target down and we had all these countries, but because I didn't have that tight container of the numbers, it just kept billing and billing and billing and billing and billing. And luckily the webinar was live. So the day the webinar happened, ad stopped. And I learned a very expensive lesson the other day because you can do the math, but that ran for 15 days uh, at yeah. 500 bucks a day and yeah. di- didn't recoup it, right? And it's uh, one of those things, but it comes down to not knowing the numbers. Yeah, exactly. And look, at the end of the day, not everyone can know every single number in the business. It's mm-hmm. just, it's impossible. So mm-hmm. that's why it's, it's it's so important to have a good team and to to have people who can help you with that. Yeah. And another thing, and I would love to know your thoughts on this because like you and James do this and like y- you and I think a lot alike, right? Like we have a lot of similarities that I remember and when I, when I think about it, I think one of the other big benefits of this, of having somebody externally that I trust, though, is it removes the emotion from the number. And I have found, like, me is, like, quote, unquote, I, I might have the label of CEO, but Tyler, when you're listening to this, like, Tyler and my team's really like the CEO. Like, yeah. he just makes me look like a good one, but he handles yeah. kind of everything. And what I love about, but even the both of us, like, we're both so fully vested in what we do that a lot of the times that emotion – where that paradigm comes in and I've watched it skew numbers just because we are so in it. And mm-hmm. I found like having an objective perspective of the numbers, like it even helps me get clear because there's no emotion tied to it. He's like, Hey man, no, it's creeping up, turn it down. But if I catch it, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm failing. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? I don't know. How is that? Is that like that for anything like you or am I just crazy on this side? No, I think it's, of course it's, there's emotion attached to it. It's, you know, when you see numbers, if you see numbers going in the wrong direction, automatically you want to do something. It's like most entrepreneurs are action takers. They see something, they want to they want to go out there and affect it. But to actually have someone who you trust who can give you some perspective and, and say, well, hang on a sec, let's just stop and have a look at this and, and think about it before we rush in to do anything is really important, especially when you have long lead times and um, you know, in a, in a physical, physical goods business, sometimes you can make little tweaks that you might not even see for a few months. Mm-hmm. So I think that uh, certainly emotion comes into it and it's always good to have an objective set of eyes to, to give you a fresh look at things. Yeah. And I think another thing too is like, cause your guy does your projections and everything else. And I would love your thoughts on this. Cause I, I feel like a lot of the times too, what's happened is like, we've, we've had it right. Like in the middle of, you know, the craziness in the world right now, High Speed Daddy went from having our best month ever to literally the first two weeks of April having our worst month ever, like from founding the company to then the second two weeks of April setting our record month in two weeks. 
And it was so crazy. But I remember like at the beginning of April, all I wanted to do was like change course. I just wanted to yeah. turn the car. And luckily our guy outside is like, wait, hold, do not measure in a day. Do not measure in a day. Let's look at this over. We need more information. And so I, I feel like I would love your thoughts on that as well, because I feel like when you talk about those small tweaks, I think one of the mistakes that I've made and seen people make is that because I'm an action taker, the moment I see the numbers dip or anything, I'm like, oh, what can I do to fix it? And I end up yeah. causing more harm than good because I don't have that patience period. So, like, how do you mitigate that or what do you do or what are your thoughts on that? Oh, again, I would just say having having really a, a great team and having people that you trust. You, you mentioned Tyler. I have uh, the I have my own Tyler yeah. in the business. His name is Danny, who I think you've you've mm-hmm. met and you know. And uh, before I make any sort of major decision, I'll always consult him. Uh, if it involves if it involves finances or numbers, then we take it. We'll take it to Shane, and then you know I'm I'm really confident that between the three of us, we're not going to make any silly rash decisions. You know, we may make a calculated decision, and it may end up being wrong. But certainly, it won't be a decision that we rush into, um, and that we have, you know, that that is not supported by data. Yeah, no, and I love it too. And and when I hear about that, you know, I heard something when you said that, and I didn't even think about this. I have had this rule in my life that when something happens, I need a pause period, right? Like I need a, I call it an incubation period, right? So like if something happens and I want to act. I don't, I have to put it in my calendar for 48 hours later and I can't look Mm -hmm. at it or do anything until then. But I've also realized now with my team, I don't have to do that anymore because I never stay in an echo chamber. Right. And and I love that you said like, if I have a big idea or something to do, I run it by Danny. And it's that feedback and that pattern of like not being isolated. I think that helps get clarity and come up with like an informed decision. So I, I absolutely love that. And so how, how just help me understand a little bit. So how big is your team? Like, so it's you, you got Danny, but you guys run pretty lean, right? Yeah, we do. As a core team, we would have about, about four or five people. We've got uh, Sarah who does, uh, what I, Saying she she runs customer service is completely underselling her. She she does customer experience. She's like helps out on the website. She's just you know a champ. Um, and we've also got uh, Danny has an operational assistant. So we've got Shane who does our books. So I would say we've probably got about five or six core full timers. But we do have a lot of um, a lot of uh, contractors and virtual assistants who work. Uh, varying hours as well so core team of about six and then an extended team of more like 15 to 20 people yeah yeah yeah. well what I love what I love about you guys and obviously like I have insider knowledge knowing you for a while what I love is that one of the things that I notice from the outside is how you empower your core team like at the management level right like I'm assuming that a lot of those external team supports are run by the core team right they own the outcome and then they're allowed to get support to achieve that outcome, right? And so what do you do to like empower that core team? Like you're the CEO, right? So like, what are those conversations like? Like, how do you set them up to win? What are your units of measure? Like, how do you manage that the best way? Because I personally, and the reason I'm asking this is one of the things that I see a lot of is like, we hire somebody or I've seen people hired, but then they're like micromanaged out or it's task management versus outcome management. And I feel like one of the things I've noticed you guys have done really well is you don't get into the minutia, you give them the outcome. 
and then mm. they have to own that outcome. So can you talk me through like how you kind of set them up to win or what they do in that? Yeah. Look, I have to give a, a lot of credit to uh, a mutual friend and influence of ours, and his name is Alex Sharfen. Everybody who, should know who Alex is at this point on the show. Yeah, I think so. He's um, I, I give a lot of credit to him. I think that instinctually, I I adopted a lot of uh, his his advice, but he certainly helped to, I suppose, systemize and 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 process what I do. And one of the things that he says that I think that I always have to remind myself is, don't tell someone what to do, give them an outcome, and then coach them on how to actually achieve it mm-hmm. so i think that that's probably the biggest what probably the biggest thing is don't give some don't give don't tell someone what to do give them an outcome and let them work out how to achieve that because you then empower that person to you know use their initiative to use their problem solving skills to you know really take ownership of the work that they're doing no one wants to be micromanaged. And the other thing is that being micromanaging people is exhausting. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It's just, and I mean, it's, I suppose the other important thing is that if you have to give them license or not so much license, but to, to give them permission to make mistakes, mm-hmm. that's the one thing that, that I like to say to people that, look, I'd much prefer it if you used your initiative, if you, make a small mistake than if you had to come to me you know, and ask me a question every five minutes mm-hmm. because that's the way you're going to grow as a team member. That's the way you're going to get better at your job and eventually that helps to take pressure off me and other decision makers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, look, I would say that um, that's that's part of it other thing is just having good good management processes and systems and again that's something that i've i've really learned from alex sharf and so i give him a lot of credit for that as well yeah no i give alex credit all the time so i text him every day we just we just send audio messages back and forth helping each other but i did and alex i'm proud of you because i know you listen to this keep going on the ice pass brother i'm so proud of you i'm so <laughs> proud of you and i will say though like alex and ryan moran both look so much better than me wearing your glasses but i think we're gonna have a model off we i don't know if you saw this on facebook we enrolled james into this we were determining who your best ad asset would be and it was between me alex Sharfin, and ryan moran on who looks the best with your glasses on Right. Well, I look forward to seeing that. I must admit I'm spending less time on Facebook these days just because it's... Uh... That's because you're a very smart CEO. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it can really, you really go down a rabbit hole and that's, that's one thing, piece of advice that I'd give to, to people is to try to try to keep focus and try to avoid distractions and don't go chasing shiny objects because... It's so easy to do it, but it can be really take you away from what's important. Yeah, totally. And I, I thought that's a that's a thread that we can pull right now. One of the things that you said that I think is really funny is that I had to learn forever, like how to not micromanage. I had to own the outcome. Right. But, you know, what's funny is I love being micromanaged by my team. Like I yeah. start my day with a list in Slack of like, this is what we need you to get done today. When you're done, don't talk to us till tomorrow. And I'm like, okay. And like, it's really funny, like the evolution that I've gone through because it used to be like, I'm going to own everything. And now I'm like, get it away from me. Hey, well, why don't you please boss me around? Like, just tell me what to do. And 
it's really an interesting path. And so now for you, and I'm going to, I'm going to pull the focus thread in a minute, right? But so you, you know, are the CEO of, you know, uh, and the, the URL is swanwicksleep.com. Just, you guys can Google Swanwicks. And if you don't have a pair of their blue light blockers, they're in my opinion, the best ones that exist. So there's my shining review. I've been wearing them for years. Uh, I'm notoriously uh, breaking them. And so I keep them in business by them sending me more <laughs> and more and more. Um, but yeah, so I go check them out. Go to Swanwick Sleep. I'll check them out. They have a lot of other stuff, but get the glasses. And I'm telling you right now, entrepreneurs, and I, you did not ask me for this. I will say this. Save this audio snippet if you need it. You're an entrepreneur. You stare at your phone. You stare at your computer. You stare at your iPad every single day. And the worst thing that happens with entrepreneurs is that we elevate our cortisol and then we get into adrenal fatigue, it affects our sleep, it affects our mood, it affects our energy, and then we try to be race car drivers every day. And every moment yep. you're staring at your phone, your computer, your iPad, you are literally elevating your cortisol because that light is not natural. And so I literally wear their day blockers almost every day that I'm on the computer looking at anything, and it has a drastic, drastic positive impact uh, on my body and on my health when I go to sleep. And so I'm saying that from personal experience of somebody who's been through adrenal fatigue and literally stares at a computer 12 hours a day. The difference between wearing them and not is I don't wear them. I get headaches. I don't sleep as well. My stress goes up. I, my weight's off. When I do wear them, I sleep good. I don't get headaches. I have better energy. I have more mental clarity. And so protect yourself. Just yeah. so, there you go. Set it. Cool. 100%. And I mean, that you've, I think you've just described it perfectly what the what the benefits are i'd just like to something that i'd love to share is please we actually it's not just it's not just i'm sure people out there trust and and wonder everything that you say george but you don't have to take george's word for it we now have scientific proof it was just a couple of months ago that um a study that we participated in was uh, published in the Journal of Applied Psychology and some uh, researchers from the University of Washington and Indiana University, they, uh, they approached us a couple of years ago asking for uh, you know, glasses to, to, to be included in their study. Well, they've just released their results and it shows that people who wore Swanee's blue light blocking glasses uh, in a couple of hours before going to bed at night, they slept better, they slept longer they also significantly improved their task performance the next day. They significantly improved their engagement at work the next day. They uh, showed more voluntary discretionary uh, work behavior the next day. And they also showed decreased uh, negative work behavior the next day. So the science is out. <laughs> Yeah, so it's no longer people. You can't tell me like I'm crazy anymore or it's a placebo. All of you can suck it for all these who are making fun of me. But like I, I will say like there's a – and that I would love to see that. Is it on the website, the studies? Uh, yeah, it should be. There should be cool. a link to it on the website, yeah. Yeah, I would love I would love to see it. Um, and so actually there's two threads that I want to pull now after you sharing that. And, you know, one of them I'm going to ask you in, in your lens, right? So you're the CEO of this, you know – very successful company, Swanwick Sleep, really like empowering people to sleep better, right? And so like what I would love to hear is like, how do you spend your day? Like how do you set your day up to win? Like you have a core team of four to five, right? You have an extended support team of 15 to 20. Your entire team is remote. You're in Europe. James is in Australia. Some of the team are all over the place. Like what does your day look like? And like when you talk about focus, like how do you set your day up to win? to literally maximize the benefits of what you put into the company? 
Yeah, sure. It all comes down to routine and process, really. Um, I can't really speak highly enough about like having a routine and having a schedule. So my day looks like looks like I wake up, uh, make coffee and breakfast for my partner, go for a run with her to work, come back, uh, have a shower, uh, meditate, do some breath work. Then I do my daily planning where I pull out a uh, you know piece of actual piece of paper and a pen and I, I do some gratitude journaling. Um, I then talk list out some of the things just off the top of my head what I want to get done that day. And then I try to prioritize those things. Um, and then once I've done that, I get cracking. I try to avoid looking immediately at emails and slack because you can just go down rabbit holes when you do that. And the thing is you don't want to let other people dictate what your day is going to look like. And you don't want other people to be able to dictate how your time is spent. So I try to actually get some, some deep work done before I start looking at, uh, at Slack and email and, and such. Um, so with the time zones, generally I get to do work for at least most of the morning and then uh, America starts coming online uh, midday for me. So that's when if I have uh, some meetings scheduled, then you know, I can do that then. Um, and that's where having, having everything scheduled and having the calendar is really important. Uh, and then in the evening, because of time zones of people in Australia, it just worked, and myself in the UK, team members in the US, it just so happens that the, the easiest, well, the only time that we can really all meet at a decent time for everyone is if we do it in the, the early evening for, mm. for me here in the UK. So um, we generally have a team meeting with the, the core team members once a week on a Monday night. We do our weekly planning. And then, of course, we also replicate that as well when we do monthly planning, uh, quarterly planning, annual planning. So that's a little bit of a snapshot of what yeah. the day looks like. I, lo- I love it. And I can summarize it. So what you're telling me is that you're not successful by accident. It's this no. beautiful, beautiful thing. And and I'll, I'll give Alex and Alex, if you listen to this, I love you, brother, to pieces. I think we all do. You know this. Um, the, the, the thing for me, consistency and routine, right? And, and I think underneath it, it's measure. And I think for a lot of my career, I don't want to call it luck. Like I knew what I was doing, right? Like I could launch a product, hit seven figures, right? But I could never take it to the next level because I never had a measure. I didn't mm. have a like, what are those, as Mike McCallitz calls my queen bee roles that I'm supposed to be doing? Because I'm like, oh, I'll just do everything and it eventually it'll stick. And what I've learned through the power of process and routine is that I have a very clear path of what's working or not working. And it eliminates the ambiguity of it. So like if I have my practice and my meditation and my critical tasks and the needle's not moving, I'm like, well... I'm either not doing them or I shouldn't be doing them, but it really is interesting uh, the level of success that I've had just by putting a measure to things, like putting things into a process or having a non-negotiable. Like you said something that I think everybody should hear over and over and over and over again, that you can't let anybody else dictate how you spend your time. And, you know, I say this all the time. It's like I watch entrepreneurs think that they're in the driver's seat of their business, but they're really in the passenger seat because they're on Facebook and Instagram and an email and all their core focus is getting pulled to fighting fires. So when it comes back to like, oh, I have a little bit of time, there's nothing left in the gas tank. 
And you said the term deep work, and I'm assuming you read it. For those of you listening, there's a really good book by Cal Newport called Deep Work. Um, and I loved it. It was one of the pivotal reads for me to protecting my time was like carving out this time that um, Keith Cunningham calls it thinking time in his book, The Road Less Stupid, but that carving out that time when I'm at my peak state of doing like the deep, deep work and keeping it protected and keeping it focused. And um, I love that. I love that routine. I love all of it. And uh, I think it's awesome. And so when you think about focus, right, do you ever as the CEO of the company, like go plug into the interwebs or do you allow your team to do that and kind of like brief you? Cause you're spending less time on Facebook, which I would recommend everybody do. Um, I personally use Facebook as like a CRM. So I only have a, I have a calendar block in my day for 20 minutes. And yeah. I'm only allowed to go in for 20 minutes and I don't even go do responses. I have custom lists made of people that I follow. Like you're on one, James is on one, Alex is on one. And then I go and I'm like, oh, click on friends of this mini list. And then I go engage with their stuff and then prospects, I go engage and then I'm off and like I'm gone, mm-hmm. gone, right? And so mm-hmm. do you ever plug in to like the social of the company or do you get briefed by like Sarah or somebody on the team? Like how do you handle keeping your pulse on all your customers and audience, because there's people like, I'm the CEO. I have to be on social. I have to see what's going yeah. on. I know everything's there. Like, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I do rely a lot on on the team to come to me with feedback with any issues. Uh, so um, I have a excellent customer support team, which is another thing that I would recommend is to, for people to have put a lot of time and, and not a lot of time, put a lot of focus and value in having great customer support because not only do you keep your customers happy, but you also get a lot of good intelligence and, and research from them. So certainly I rely on a, a good team. Uh, just recently I've taken to, um, I've set myself a target of trying to speak to as many customers as I possibly can. And the way that we do that is that we have our our email system. And when anyone uh, puts a certain amount of orders in with us, it automatically fires off an email to them from me saying, hey, I'd love to have a chat with you. And then I just uh, then, you know, jump onto a Zoom call with them and I and we have a bit of a chat. I ask them a few questions. And I think that's the that's probably the way that I like to stay in touch. Yeah. I, I, and for those of you listening that didn't catch that, like, um, Tristan and I have worked together. So he knows like, I'm all about the relationships. Like these are the most important things. Like you have it set up so that when they hit a threshold, it shoots off an email. Cause this is why I love automations. Cause you can automate everything not required a human buy to create a human connection. Right. And so you shoot them off an email like, Hey, it's the CEO of Swan sleep. I would love to jump on a call. I would love to connect. And you literally said it, you literally get the best Intel you keep your pulse on the conversation and it's from one of your best customers. So it's going to be the most accurate kind of non-biased feedback. Um, and that's better than you're going to find anywhere on social media. I promise you. Yeah. I yeah, absolutely it, promise you. hundred percent. I mean, when you have that personal, personal connection with someone, when it's just one-on-one, mm-hmm. this is where I can use some of my uh, skills as a, as a former journalist you, you spend a little bit of time talking, you ask questions, you can ask the same questions in, in different ways to, to really draw out things that, things that, that, you know, things that, we're, that people like about your company or your product or, or feedback that might not even be that conscious to the person. It may be subconscious. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
hundred percent trying to trying to get that personal connection with people is so much more valuable than looking at social media or doing surveys. Yeah, and when when you think about that, when you think about getting those calls, like what's been some of like the best intel like have you gotten anything that you wouldn't have gotten anywhere else? Like I tell people like the best place you can be is in a relationship with your customers, right? So like what's some of the stuff that you've gotten from this or how has it benefited the company? Like I would just love to hear some tangible yeah for sure like just today i i got onto a call with and it was through the automated system and it was uh with a a dentist orthodontist and he told me that he loves swannies and he wears them while he's working because anyone who's been to a dentist recently or or an orthodontist will know that they use like these really bright blue lights to actually do their work and he told me that it just how punishing it was for him to actually be looking at this blue light the whole time. And there were other glasses, safety glasses out there that, that helped, but nothing that was as comfortable or as you know effective as Swannies. So it just completely opened up this potential, uh, entirely new potential market for me, something that I just never even considered before. Yeah, I, I love it. Like seriously, like, I've shared this example not specifically because I can't because I'm under NDA. But there was one company in particular I set up the same thing, and I'll never forget because it got triggered. We called and the person we talked to had just ordered like thirty of the product, and I was like, nobody needs that many of this product. Nobody. And then it turns out they own a company and they were buying it for their employees, but they only bought it for a small subset of their employees because they wanted to see how they liked them. So we got on a call and then they ended up buying on the call. We were just calling to say thank you. They ended up buying for every other employee. So it was like another 100 sales. And we just made them I'm like, hey, can we make you a coupon code with your name just to say thank you? Like, Because you could have wholesale. Like, no, no, we want to support. And so I find that there's so many opportunities that you can't even imagine possible just by getting on these calls and really connecting with your customers. Yeah, that's a hundred percent completely agree with you. It's look, I get it. It's, it's people are busy and it can be really, you know, it can be a lot of time spent doing this type of thing. And especially this day and age, people like to, to use messages and don't necessarily like to have that, that ver- verbal communication anymore, but I've done something. I'm getting close to about 50 of these types of interviews done. And I would say that every single one of them has provided something very, very valuable. And they've been enjoyable. They've been um, an opportunity to learn. It's just I can't speak highly enough about actually getting onto a call with your customers or other people, other entrepreneurs, people who are in that space and just forming those relationships. So important and so valuable. Yeah. And and what I like to tell people is like, you have to do this. Like this isn't a thing. It's these are the people that pay your bills. These are the people that have bought your product. These are the people that are going to recommend other people to your product. And I watch so many people try to spend all their time convincing people to buy their product for the first time instead of deepening the relationship with the people who already did, which is going to have a 10x return on what it what it is on the front. And Tristan, you, you guys nailed this and I'm so happy we're talking about this. So I will say though, one of the things that I've learned in this, like you were a former journalist. So I don't worry about you having a container, but I found most of the time I have to do one of two things. If it's the CEO, you got to have a 
a, an outline, like a set of questions. You need a tight container. If it's a 20-minute call, make it a 20-minute call. Don't go over, like respect their time and respect yours, but have an idea of what you want to ask them. And you can change the question to match the conversation, but know kind of where you're going to guide it is, yeah. is number one. Or number two, um, if you're really emotionally invested in your product, have somebody who's not get on the call. So they have an objective view. And so when feedback comes in, they can hear it without putting a filter on it. Because yeah. I, I will say this, and I'm sure Tristan, you could hammer this home. One of the mistakes that I see when people get on phone calls with customers, they summarize the customer's answers. And you don't want to summarize them. You want to copy them verbatim because if they are telling you like what their life was before the product, you want that actual exact verbatim language because that's what your other customers are going to respond to. And so make sure that you kind of have that container. So when you get onto these calls, do you ask like a certain set of questions or is there one that you're looking to achieve more? Like how do you go about navigating the relationship on these calls? Yeah, look, I, I certainly have a, a, a list of questions. Um, and as you say, you can, you can change them depending on what's coming out. Each one tends to be a little bit different and it really depends on where you, where there's, there's answers are, are, are interesting, but yeah, just have a list of questions and um, something that you mentioned is like, you want to actually have answers verbatim. So a trick that I do is like, I do, I do zoom calls. I, record them to the cloud and then I upload them to this uh, automatic transcription service called otter.ai. Yep. And uh, yeah, then you just go and copy and paste some of that language and then you can actually use that for your copywriting, for your, you know, your ads, your marketing, that type of thing. You can really actually start to use that actual customer uh, language in your marketing. It can be very powerful. Yeah, no, I use um, I use Otter. I've used Rev. I use uh, Temi, which is ten cents a minute, like T E M I dot com, which is owned by Rev. And so yeah. I th I think just so everybody listening to this, like, I get questions all the time, like, what should I post on social? What should my ad copy say? And I was like, do exactly what Tristan just said because it is the best copy, it is the best headline, it is the best social captions because it's the actual thing that your customers are already saying, and so. Mm -hmm it'll attract the new ones that resonate the same because you can write a post. It's like, hey, have you ever struggled with? And then you had a call with a customer like, hey, what was life like in the office in the orthodontist before? Oh my God, the lights were so bright. I was getting headaches. And so it's like, hey, have you ever struggled with the lights in your office being bright? That nasty fluorescence that they are getting those day headaches and not understanding why. And all of a sudden you have like this magic formula for conversions and copy and, and getting people in. So I think it's really, really, really important. Um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. That's, that's no awesome. worries. Yeah. The other thing I'll say is that customers love it. They love to talk to, talk oh, to you as oh well. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. You'll they form, always... you'll form relationships with people. I have people that buy my marketing stuff now that learn from me that launched a business so they could consume my content because they were fans from 2010 when I was a food blogger. And I've been doing this. I've like get on calls, like I pick it up. And, and you know, one of the things you said earlier, I think is important is like, we live in this world, but everybody wants messenger. They want text. They want it. Maybe, but I've realized that people are just settling for it because every time I get on a video call or pick up the phone, it's almost like a surprise and delight pattern interrupt because nobody does it anymore. 
And it even enhances the value of what you're doing because nobody calls anymore. Like I, I think about the times my phone rings. I just flip it over. I don't even pick it up anymore. Right. I'm like, yeah. oh, stop bothering me. Stop <laughs> yeah. bothering me. Right. Yeah. Um, but when they do pick up, they're like, oh my God, you called me. Oh my God, we got on video. Oh, there's a real human here. And I found that actual, the intrinsic value of connecting with a customer is amplified even more because of the current state of how people communicate. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause people forget that, well, no, not forget. A lot of the people just don't even think that when when they buy from a company on the internet, a social, you know, an e-commerce company, it can be pretty impersonal. So when you get onto a, a call and you start talking to them, you know, they start to realize that there's real people behind this. You know, people just like you and I, and you know, who have families and you know go through all the same challenges that they do, and um, it just helps to really make a connection that you just can't make on Facebook or on a survey or something like that. Yeah. It, it introduces the real human element. Like it really humanizes the the brand. And, and, you know, the thing is, is like, we'll say this forever. People don't buy the best product. They buy the best relationship. Right. And, yeah. you know, brand loyalty and customer loyalty doesn't necessarily always come from having the best product. Right. Like there's products where like, oh, there's probably a better one, but we love the brand, the relationship with the brand. I get that their families are there. They're helping the world. They're giving to a nonprofit. And so I'd say everybody listening to this, like really, really listen to this and take heed of this again. This is one of the I'm going to air quote this if you're listening. One of the secrets to building a successful company is having these deep relationships with these customers and the people that are really moving the needle and they move the needle financially, but they also move the needle in your marketing. Ninety three percent of marketing is word of mouth. And when you give these people these conversations, what you don't think about is when they get off a call with Tristan, they're going to be like, you'll never believe it. I bought these glasses and this person called me. I bought these glasses and they picked up the phone. Like they called me and asked me how things were going. And it's a really powerful, powerful strategy and tactic. But really at the core of it, it's just a relationship. And so, and I would say, do you empower your team to do this at well as like at the lowest level, your customer service team, your social team? Like how do you navigate that with them? Yeah, 100%. I, I'd say that my customer service team, they, they talk to way more people than I ever ever will be able to get around to. And consistently, consistently since the start of the business to now, the, the customer testimonials that we get, they always mention customer service and they always mention, oh my gosh, it was so nice to have Melanie actually get onto the phone with me and, and, and walk me through that because I haven't actually bought online before. You know, I, I wasn't sure how to enter my credit card details and she, she got onto a call and she, she talked me through it. Like just that, those little things make such a big difference. Oh my God. It's so good. It's so good. I love it. I actually think that that's like a perfect place to kind of leave this. Cause I don't want to distract any more from that. That is such a power, like for everybody listening, like the companies that I've taken in 10 X or 20 X has always comes from depth on the back end. And what was just shared is one of the most profound and easiest ways to do it. So I have a couple rapid fire questions for you, Tristan, cause I always right. like to know what are you currently reading? What am I currently reading? I am reading, uh, what's it called? It's called um, not Homo Deuce by Noah. You know the one, the... Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to Google it. I'll Google it. Let, let me it's see. It's by Homo Deuce by uh, Noah. It's like the Israeli uh, writer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Noah Harari. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did... Um, sapiens that's right he did sapiens which is a really famous book 
Okay. Okay. And then what's uh what's the best book you've read of 2020? Best book I've read of 2020. Um, let me see here. I would probably say probably his first book, which is Sapiens. Sapiens. I'm now reading his second. Yeah, his second. His second book. Yeah. And what were, what was Sapiens about? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't read that one. Oh, look! It's about the. I suppose that the history of of mankind and how it's evolved over the years, and it touches a lot on you know, like the Paleolithic era and how how important relationships and communities <laughs> have been to the development of humankind. Imagine, way to, way to bring it full circle with this one, full circle with this one. Then uh, favorite food, like if you could only eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Um, ice cream. Ice cream, what flavor? <laughs> uh, butterscotch. Butterscotch. Mine's black raspberry, which is a hard flavor to find, but it's one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites. Right. So I absolutely love it, man. I love it. Um, so for everybody listening, for everybody watching, uh, go get yourself in the world. Go to swanwicksleep.com. Um, obviously, I vouch for it. I'm not paid for this in any way, shape, or form. What I shared is actually true. And there's scientific evidence now. So I'm not one of those tinfoil hat guys anymore. People are like, yeah, it's real. It's real. It's awesome. Um, make sure you check it out. And they don't have glasses. They have everything to help you sleep. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, we talked a lot about the business and connection and relationships with your customers, but also we need to remember that you're the one driving that ship and you need to be as healthy as possible because you can only be an effective entrepreneur if you're taking care of yourself. So I highly, highly, highly recommend, um, you know, maximizing your sleep since you spend a third of your life doing it. And it's a, it's a good place to start and it influences everything. So what I like to do, Tristan, at the end is I always just like to give you the floor for any closing words. If you could tattoo anything on somebody's soul, on their brain that they remember, and it's the only thing they remember from this episode, or you want them to take away, what would that thing be? I would say it's, it's the relationships, just how important relationships are in life and in the world. And I think maintaining good relationships, creating new relationships, it's its the key to life and the key to success. I love it. And I'm not going to taint that anymore. I've been saying it forever. And I love when I get validation about it. So you have to remember that relationships always beat algorithms. So guys, this has been an amazing episode. I'm going to cue the outro in a minute. Make sure you go check out swanwicksleep.com. Google it, pop it up, hit them on the interwebs, the social. There's even a good chance you'll end up on a call with Tristan. So just go buy a lot and then you'll hit the threshold and you're in. Um, it's been fun. I will see you guys in the next episode or you will hear me in your earballs. So remember that relationships always beat algorithms. And now now it's time to cue the outro. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Mind of George show. Please make sure you subscribe on your favorite channel that you listen to, whether it's in the car, on your run, or in front of the television. Make sure you leave a review to help other people know how much you love the show and quite frankly, help me know how much you love the show because I read them all. And if you want five-minute daily insider nuggets on business, marketing, leadership, mindset, or any other tool that you would need to build and scale your company, make sure you register for my invite-only newsletter. I call it the Lightkeeper Lessons. I hold nothing back here and I share everything that works for me, my friends and mentors, and thousands of my students around the world to thrive in life and keep our lighthouses shining brightly. We will eventually be charging for this, but for now, for you, because you're listening to the podcast, it's free. So if you want to sign up, go to www.lightkeeper.club 
fill out the application and then check your inbox because it's magic. You actually have to open the emails to get the gifts inside. Otherwise, you can get access to my Relationships Beats Algorithms Facebook community and other free resources on the website. So just go to www.mindofgeorge.com and I'll see you in the next episode.